Welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. We are a Catholic young adult ministry located in Kansas City with a mission to be the community that inspires and forms our generation to be saints. Father Mattingly, director and chaplain of City on a Hill, is also an associate pastor at a local parish. Listen in to a recent Sunday homily of his and let it build you up in your pursuit of sainthood. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of City on a Hill. Today in our gospel, our Lord gives a couple images for how the kingdom of God grows. In the first image in particular, we have this man who just sort of scatters seed on the ground in his property. And then it, it makes reference to the fact that it's sort of a mystery as to how this ends up growing up into sort of fruitful crops. That the guy just sort of sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed begins to grow and he doesn't know how. Right? And, and one way we can sort of look at this particular image is that uh, the Lord tasks us with doing sort of outward works to try and build up his kingdom, but the real meat of what's going to actually make those fruitful is something that happens in secret, sort of the hidden work kind of behind the scenes, if you will. One way to look at this is we have our, our outward words and actions that the Lord obligates us to do to build up His kingdom, but if they aren't supported by a hidden life of prayer and sacrifice, they aren't going to bear fruit. Right? We can spin our wheels all that we want and try to bring other people to the Lord to sort of sanctify our work and, and, and do all sorts of things to build the kingdom of God. We can spin our wheels all, our, all we want, but, but if it isn't supported by, by prayer and sacrifice, it's not going to end up very much fruit. Uh, some time ago, I was asking a priest for some advice, a, a priest who I uh, sort of look up to um, a great deal, and I was asking him and his advice specifically about um, giving a fraternal correction to someone. So fraternal correction is when we sort of, you know, sit down and, and talk to somebody and sort of in as calm a manner as we're able to sort of call them higher, basically say, you know, I've been seeing this in you and, and I want to point it out because I want you to become a saint, right? So I want to help you in, in, in pointing this out. It's, fraternal correction is, is extremely intimidating, um, but it's very important. Um, we all need to be doing it uh, in order that we all have the best chance that, that we can at becoming saints and getting to heaven. And so I was asking this, this priest, like, uh, I sort of explained the situation and I kind of said, like, how do you think I should go about this? And, and, and you know, what's a good time I should do it maybe? And how should I approach it and stuff? And, and uh, instead what he asked me and sort of uh, basically called me out for not having prepared well at all for this. He basically said, okay, well, like, have you been, have you been praying and, and, and sacrificing something for this person? And I was like, well, I mean, like, a little bit, I guess. <laughs> sort of, like, generically, you know, like, when I start my rosary, I just sort of have my, my general intentions, and often will pray for this person by name, but I haven't really, like, done anything substantial. I've definitely done nothing in the realm of, like, sacrifice, like fasting or mortification and things like that. He was like, well, first things first, do not 
<laughs> sit down with this person and get for trunk correction until you do those things. <laughs> so don't do it. It's going to end up uh, very, very bad if, if you don't do those sort of that hidden work. And he offered me something, and I forget where where he got this. And I, I hope I don't paraphrase it too badly or, or mess it up. But basically, he said he operates by what he calls the the 80-15-5 rule. And by this, he, he basically meant that whenever he wants to undertake some sort of outward work for the Lord, whether that's trying to bring another individual to the Lord, something difficult like fraternal correction, whatever it might be, he says 80% of his effort and time is put into prayer, first of all, 15% into mortification, sacrifice, and only 5% is his actual action, right, words and deeds. 80, 15, 5. And I found it very helpful. And as soon as he said that, I was like, I don't think I've ever done that in my whole life. <laughs> I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever lived that sort of ratio. Um, but it, but it's, it's necessary. Right? The, the hidden work of, of prayer and sacrifice, we're not doing that, and we're not actually relying on God. We're relying on ourselves. Right? And we think that we're actually going to be able to make headway just on our own, fall into this sort of trap of self-sufficiency. Um, so we need to commit ourselves to this, this hidden work of, of prayer and sacrifice. Um, another example of this is a, a priest that I was um, chatting with some time ago as well said that early on in his priesthood when he was just sort of like incredibly zealous and wanted, you know, every Sunday to just sort of preach on like the hardest truths possible. And, and he had been reading um, the sermons of St. John Vianney, which if any of you have ever read St. John Vianney's sermons, they're, they're very much a mixed bag. He was a priest in France in the 1800s, but um, many occasions he would preach incredibly difficult messages, not just content-wise, but sort of calling people out directly in his congregation for this or that or whatever, not by name, but, like, <laughs> but, but still just extremely direct and, 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 and very intense. So this priest was like, well, I want to be a saint too. I'm going to, I'm going to imitate all the great priest saints. So I'm going to, he, he ended up preaching on something ex extremely heavy, like within the first couple of months that he was at a particular parish and like calling people out directly for it. And, and it's not something that you would have seen as particularly obvious necessarily as he was explaining it to me. Um, he said, obviously, it was, it was received very poorly, right? He had, he had no relationship yet with any of the people in his parish, and it didn't go over well. And so he, um, he went to his, he met with his spiritual director uh, shortly thereafter, and he kind of explained the situation, and he's like, did I do the right thing? I don't, I don't, I don't know, like, I, I, I think I did the right thing, but I'm not sure. And the spiritual director was like, well, if you're going to preach like John Manning did, are you, are you fasting like him? <laughs> Are you fasting like him for your people, and, and are, are you praying like him? If not, if you didn't do those, do those two things in preparation for the sermon, never ever do that again without prayer and fasting. Right? We, we, we have to have the hidden work behind the outward apostolic work. The last example I'll give you um, is some years ago, I was uh, chatting with a guy who who knew a priest in his, the priest in his diocese that was a 
assigned as the exorcist. Um, so every diocese, typically, the bishop will delegate the task of, or the role of exorcist to one of his priests. And this guy was telling me, he's like, yeah, I was having a conversation with the priest who was the exorcist in our diocese, and he was sharing with me a story about there was a particular case um, that they had gone through all the, the, the sort of the steps that you have to go through prior to doing what's called a major exorcism. So the church just doesn't, you know, churches will often get calls from people, that non-Catholics included, that are just like, I think my house is possessed, or I think I'm possessed, or my friend is possessed, or whatever. And so obviously, like, not all of these are legitimate cases, so there's a whole long process that you have to go through, including different sort of psychological, basic psychological evaluations and things before the church will do a, what's called a major exorcism. And this priest was sharing his story and he basically said, okay, we had gone through all of those things and there were enough positive indications that, that we were going to go through with it, he said. So he shows up at this house, and of course you never do it alone, so there are a few other people that had come with him. He showed up at this house and uh, he says, the demon spoke to him from this person who was possessed and basically laughed at him and said, do you think you, think you can come here without having fasted ahead of time? He just, just sort of mocked this priest for, for not having spiritually prepared himself at all for what he was about, about to do. Obviously that would be a very terrifying experience, but the, the, lesson, the lesson to draw from that is that you and I, we, we engage in spiritual warfare every day, whether we know it or not. And the little things and in the big things, every decision that we make is a, is a decision for heaven or, or, or a decision against heaven. And so we need to make sure that as we go through life, we are living, really, the 80 and the 15, right? The, the hidden work. I know from getting to know so many of you, you have, many of you have a great zeal for expanding the kingdom of God, for introducing other people to the Lord, for becoming saints yourselves. Right? Make sure that that zeal is supported by the hidden life of prayer and sacrifice. Without that, you and I are just going to be spinning on wheels. And in fact, the church sees and God sees this hidden work as so important that he calls certain individuals out of the world to dedicate their entire life only to prayer and sacrifice. These are the contemplative religious orders, right? So there are people that are dedicated to the 80% and the 15% for the entire church at large. They're praying for us at this very moment, right? That's how important the Lord sees this hidden work, that he would pluck certain
Like he says, it requires great humility to be devoted to the hidden work of, of bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Um, and actually, before I read you this quote, I'm going to paraphrase another one, which I think is somewhat in the same vein. Um, and I may butcher this completely, but he basically says, I, I ran across this a few weeks ago, he says, um, there's no shortage of Christians who would willingly allow themselves to be crucified and give their life to the faith in front of thousands of stunned onlookers. But there are less than a handful that are willing to undergo the heroic sacrifices in the tiny details of every day. Because nobody sees those. Nobody sees those. Those are hidden. It's a great thing for us to think about. It takes more heroism to love God in the tiny details of each day than it would be to to give your life in front of thousands of, of sort of gaping onlookers. Right? Real heroism is in the hidden work that nobody sees. And here's the quote I wanted to read to you, and I'll close with this. He says, Do not wish to be like the gilded weather vane on top of a great building. However much it shines and however high it stands, it adds nothing to the solidity of the building. Rather be like an old stone block hidden in the foundations, underground, where no one can see you. Because of you, the house will not fall. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the City on a Hill podcast. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and leave a review so others will come across our content. If City on a Hill has been a gift to you, consider joining our mission by making a monthly gift Learn more at kansascityonahill.org slash donate. Be your best and strive to be a saint.